first you guys going to stand up. We're going to put our hands together and start singing. Faithfulness of our God. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. So we praise that God this morning. Let's go. I 
here all the time come from somewhere. And Psalm 4610 is what that is. Be still and know that I am God. Um, and, and we hear lots of things actually out of that psalm. We hear um, the Lord of hosts is with you and, and God, God is with us. And you, you recognize that from the song that we're about to sing. And the Lord of hosts is with you. You hear these things all the time. And that actually has a biblical context. All the psalms have a period in history that they come from, that they exist in. And if you listen to our podcast, Little Plug, we, we talk about that quite a bit. But all the psalms have a historical context that they come from. In Psalm 46, you can find the story in 2 Kings. You can look it up later. But basically what it says is King Hezekiah is the king of this nation called Judah. Right? Judah is a city surrounded by a wall. Right? Surrounded by a wall. And the Assyrian army has come to lay claim to Judah. And Hezekiah cries out to God, Lord, Lord, where are you? God, we need you. Lord, we're, we, we need your help. We cannot stand against this army because the Assyrians have brought 185,000 men for battle to take Judah. And the Assyrians are not known for, for a hasty uh, execution. No, they're known for skinning you alive. Right? So the Assyrians, who are known for skinning people alive, come to take Judah. And Hezekiah and his army are no match. So he cries out to the Lord, Lord, where are you? We need you, God. We, we need your help in this battle. And the Lord says... Still and know that I'm God. So that's what he does. He, he waits and he prays, and the angel of the Lord descends. Not not the angels, the angel, the angel of the Lord. And what we know about in Scripture is that the angel of the Lord is the Son of God. Right? We, we find that in the book of Daniel. We find that in the book of Genesis. We find it everywhere. Um, and now now with all of, all of Scripture, we know that to be the Son of God. So the Son of God comes down and does battle with the Assyrian army and slays 180. Leaves a, leaves a few thousand to, to, to go. He has mercy on them. So the Son of God comes. He kills 180,000 warriors. The next day, uh, King Hezekiah brings the people of Judah out into the battlefield where all these men are slain and says, The Lord of hosts was with us, with us in the fire. He breaks the bow. He bends the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. So that's what we're seeing about today. That's what, the, that's what the word, the scripture is telling us today, that we can be still and for your battles, for your battles that the Lord wants, the ground that the Lord wants taken, not the ground that you want taken, but the battles that God places in front of you, he will fight for you. Be still and know that he is the Lord, the Lord of hosts is with us. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. Breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. O mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. Walk by faith in God and burns the chariots with
God is our refuge, our strength, very present help in trouble. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you are our help. We so need you. We so need that help. We need you with us. And we confess that this morning.
going to take a moment to receive our morning offering and uh, we're not passing a plate but they will be bringing a bag around we just try to think of the safest way to do that so I told them not to hold the bag out and shake it in front of you for an extended period of time so but they will come around with a bag to receive that and um, and let's just take a moment and pray and then we'll we'll take up our offering father we just thank you God so much for the grace that you've shown to us each and every day Thank you, Lord, for this group that's here today. Lord, what a great time it's been just worshiping you. Thank you for these songs that you've given to us. Thank you for our praise team for doing such a great job and leading us. And Lord, um, Lord, thank you for you, Lord, who gives us an object of our praise, Lord, who, who gives the reason. Lord, so excited to see Layla being baptized this morning and her, her granddad doing that. And Lord, just thank you for Rick and for his godliness and faithfulness to you and for that whole family, Lord, just your blessing upon them. And Father, just pray now that through the rest of the service, Lord, you will just guide us by your Holy Spirit. Be with those who are watching us through the live stream at home, and Lord, worshiping with us. Lord, just, uh, we're where we need to be. We just trust that. And Lord, we just pray, God, that uh, you'd also be with the drive-in service to come after this. Thank you, Father, for giving us opportunities to hear your word and the fellowship together in the midst of all this that's going on. And Lord, we trust you, trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are at home, then this is the time to go online and, and give um, through text giving or through on to the website or whatever. There's many different means to give through that ways as well. And so uh, we just appreciate you. Appreciate your faithfulness and thank, and thank you so much for your generosity as we've gone through all these times.
Good morning. That's kind of weak, but still. <laughs> you still think you're talking to a television set. Hey, way back there in the back. Good to see you. I'm waiting for somebody to um, to actually be watching the live stream while they're in the sanctuary. That's probably the balcony people up there. That's that's those guys up there. Then you're much better on TV than you are in person. I got as much laughter when there was nobody here. So. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, it is it is a three prong approach. I I didn't I we had always done the live stream. Hey, thank you, man. No, yeah, this is like a spare. Thanks. Like I'm a heavy drinker. Um, I love living in the age where I was sitting down here. I just got on my watch and I whispered in my watch, "Bring me a water out of the refrigerator." And then within a minute, water. And so like this is the age in which we live sorry I didn't bring enough for everybody but um, we um, you guys all chose this side this morning I think that's pretty impressive so Lester I don't know what to tell you man that's uh, <laughs> you've kind of cleared out a circle there but uh, we uh, we're so grateful to have three ability three different ways and we've always had the live stream it's nice to have everybody here in person again, and, and eventually the chairs will get closer back together, and we'll all get closer back together. You know, it's, it's what they say is, is that you have to stay with your family, and so as you all get to become family again, and as a group, uh, then that's when we all get back together again, and, and God will bring that over time. Uh, we could all meet at my house on a regular basis to get accustomed to one another and, uh, and hang there for a while, or... We can do it here, but uh, it, it will come. Just be patient. We're just trying to be. We're trying to be careful about things we don't know or understand, and that's kind of where all this is. The other thing is, is that uh, we have the opportunity to be at home, and like I said, the live stream, and and you get your sermon content. Why that's so important, and why it's always. I'm glad that everybody got to experience this in a broader fashion, because when you're not able to be here anytime. We provide that so you can hear the same message that everybody's hearing. The idea is we, we plan, in fact, I'm getting ready to do this this week. This week, I will take this week and plan all the messages for 2021. And and the reason why I do that is so that all the messages kind of go in one faithful direction according to God's word. It gives me the opportunity to get into God's word and out, away from the hecticness of a week and say, Lord, where are we going? And then look through his word and, and then choose those passages of scriptures that uh, under his leadership, and then begin to exegete, which means I just begin to explain what those texts mean and draw those out and make the outlines and so forth as the course of the year goes on. But it gives us kind of a common direction. And so that goes into every single series, every single year. And so when you miss one, you've actually missed something. I really believe that God intended for you to get something for you that you were supposed to hear that was that helps bring us all together. And so when half, when part of us aren't getting those messages and part of us are, it kind of creates an imbalance. But if we're all listening to those messages, then at least we're on the same page. It also gives you the ability to critique me and say, "Hey, that was really off base," or "or this was," or rewind it and look, check, you know, when my pockets aren't right, or something like that. All those kind of things for those fun moments and entertaining things. Um, we um, we had 
so many good things said about last week. And so, but, but we had we had about the same number of people here as we did online as in our drive-in service. Now, the drive-in service is a new thing. And, and we will continue to do the drive-in service as long as people don't feel comfortable getting back together. In fact, we've, we've figured out a way that we can even do that. Uh, even like right now, we can be broadcasting this service into the parking lot. So that, that may be eventually where that progresses to. But as long as the weather stays good uh, we'll, and you guys like me getting in a lift, it looks kind of like a, a carnival type thing. But, uh, but uh, it's kind of like a ride that's free. But, uh, but anyway, we, we, we preach in a parking lot. And the cool part about that is, is we've had people, had a lady that messaged me today, said she, if, if it rains, she's going to watch us online. And so, but she's been coming and sitting outside and, and watching our services every week. So isn't that cool? That's cool. More people, and people, I see cars I don't recognize. So, um, and I used to fancy that I was somebody who could recognize everybody's faces in the congregation. Now I'm trying to recognize everybody's vehicle. So, uh, so I can spot you in Walmart before I even go in the store. I know you're there just because I've memorized your car. But we're starting a new series today, and it's called The God in Me. This, is a, uh, this comes from an idea of, of the, uh, something somebody said to me years ago about how to, a good way to express the Trinity, uh, that the Father is the God who will always be, Jesus is the God I can see, and the Holy Spirit is the God in me. And, uh, and that's, and that's kind of where this comes from, that Jesus is literally promising his disciples that he is going to send what he calls a comforter or a helper. Uh, the idea is, is that it is, it is the third person in the Trinity. He does have a pronoun of he, uh, and so it is a, he, he is not it, he is a he, and he is the one who, he is the part of God that comes and dwells within us. It is it's really, I think the baptism of Jesus is this incredible moment where we get to see, we don't have a word Trinity in the New Testament, and that's been pointed out to me by many different people, but um, like I came up with the idea of the Trinity. I didn't come up with it, but it's been around for a long time. But the idea, the reason why the word was ever conceived is because of moments like when Jesus is being baptized, you have the son Jesus being baptized and you have the father speaking from heaven about his son being baptized. And then you have the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. So you have the father the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in the same place at the same time, but in three different persons. And so we had to come up with a way, a term we used to just describe what this is, and the Trinity was the, the word that we used to describe that, that God is one God in three persons. It's very, very difficult. It's impossible to comprehend fully what it all means. So anytime you get to things and you say, how do you explain this? And I, and, I, and I say things like, well, I can't fully explain it. But what we can do is clearly reveal what does God's word actually say about it? And, and what, what does he give to us? And so this series is about looking closely at the God that is in me, the, that Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to resurrect from the dead. I'm going to ascend to my Father in heaven. And I'm going to reign beside him. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send one to be with you. And that's exciting because he's saying it's not going to be me, but it is going to be God. And it's going to be a God, the part of God who can 
be inside of you that can literally possess your soul. And uh, and so that's that's kind of it can be a little bit scary, but it's uh, but you know we 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 think about possession. We, I mean, it's something the movies love to talk about and so forth. But it talks it it always focuses on like evil spirits or other beings or whatever getting inside of us. So we we have that concept in our minds and our hearts, even in the world. But what God's word reveals is that Jesus is is doing this for a reason. It's it's because he he knows we cannot make ourselves holy. We cannot make ourselves good enough to be in heaven. We can't think about God or understand God or comprehend his word or figure out how to get where we're supposed to go. And so he says, you know what, but if I put myself in you, my spirit inside you, then you could be able to comprehend these things. Then you can understand these things. Then you would be empowered to do the things I'm asking you to do. Because he says, I'm, he's going to show us, I'm gonna, he's going to ask us to do some pretty big things. And so... And he, can, he only expects it because he's giving us the power to do it. So he's not asking, God never looks at our humanity and our flesh and says, hey, I want you to change the world as you are. He doesn't do that. He says, I want you to change the world as I am going to make you, as I am going to design you to do. And you're going to finish what I began. You see what I've done. Now you're going to do even better things than this, but with the power that I'm going to give you. Well, today's message is called Phone a Friend. And I got this idea from a show a while back called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I don't know if you remember that show. Anybody remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, people at home. Uh, the, um, uh, you know, the rest of you just are so, I'm Baptist. I can't raise my hand. It's like, it won't go up any higher than this. Um, the, uh, but anyway, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire had, um, had the three different options or whatever they would do, takeaway answers or whatever. But one of the options for help when you got stuck was you could phone a friend. And I remember I used to think, um, if I was ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, uh, that who would I call to be my friend with the answers? Um, and that's a short list. A short list of people that I would think, this is the person I would turn to. Because you know, it's, it's that person you play Trivial Pursuit with who always knows the answers. It's that person you're, you're watching Jeopardy with who always is answering questions on Jeopardy before the other people. Everybody has a friend like this or knows somebody like this, and that's the person you think of. That's the friend I want to call if I ever got in that position and get stuck like that. You may be married to them, maybe one of your children, maybe you're just a friend or somebody you knew from school, whatever the case. But whatever the deal is, that's your friend you want to call. Well, this is the idea of today's message is that Jesus is always the friend we're going to call. And, and I know this. If, you, if that was an option on who wants to be a millionaire, can you imagine that? Uh, I'm stuck, but I'd like to phone a friend. I want to call Jesus and ask him if he knows the answer to this. That would be a pretty decent call, would it? So, Jesus, I get Jesus on the phone. Okay, here's the question. And, and you, how much confidence do I have in that 100%? Let's just go with it. It's right. Uh, and so, because he would be the guy on there. And you would think, if Jesus were in this time, though, would he be on who wants to be a million? I don't think so. I don't think he would do that. But, uh, but here's the thing, is we need to begin to think of him as the person that we always contact in our time of need. Very first person that comes to our mind in any difficulty should be Jesus. The phone with which we talk to him is the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit in me? 
He has given me the ability. It's complicated. The Old Testament kind of shows the complexity of it because when they wanted to communicate with God in the Old Testament, they had to go into the Holy of Holies and here's the Shekinah of glory over the mercy seat of God and the high priest could go in and he went in once a year and he had to be completely clean and holy and so forth and prepared to go in and so many things had to be happened. But then when Jesus died, the veil that blocked off the Holy of Holies was rent in two, and now he gives us open access into the glory of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So a lot happened that God made possible for us just to to do this very simple thing of praying. And here's the crazy part. He did so much to give us access to him, and yet we still do not take advantage of that access. We still do not just walk through and communicate with him. That's what we're going to look at today, these three wonderful verses in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, he says these words, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how amazingly awesome you are. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, literally the Holy of Holies dwells within me. Father, How amazing is that? Father, thank you for the gift of prayer that you've given to us. And may we utilize this wonderful gift, Father, every single moment of every single day, believing that it is true. Show us, Lord, the power in these verses today so that we might live in your truth and not in the deception and the lies that the enemy continually confounds us with, that the world surrounds us with, even our own flesh betrays us with. May we trust you today, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we want to look at is it begins with one who believes. One who believes. When we talk about the coronavirus, I don't know if you know that there's this virus thing that's going around that people have been discussing. And there is this unbelievable amount of information and, and people talking about it and different news agencies and so forth. And not by any surprise, there are differences of opinion. And so you'll read something and the very first thought that comes out of your mind, if, if maybe the, the sheer shock of whatever you're reading grabs your attention first. But then you have to stop and say, is this real? Is this actually true? What I'm reading, right? This statement, whatever this says, is this a real statement? And you're and you're left with, I don't know, I don't know. And then you start searching for someone you can trust, someone you can look to for guidance, something that sounds like it's truth. And you begin to put ideas together and 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 connect them and so forth. And it is difficult to know who to trust, if not impossible to know who to trust. I uh, am always never sure whether I have the right information. I know nobody has the right amount of experience. I know that 
we're always checking people's credibility, and I'm looking and saying, well, who is this person who's saying this? What are their credentials? You know, and you and then they tell you their credentials, and you're like, well, you know, I, I remember it's like when people would talk about pastors. Uh, I, I can kind of relate to this because they would go, okay, so you're a pastor. Well, that doesn't mean a lot. And because uh, I know a lot of bad pastors, and so they'll be like, "Well, where did you? What denomination are you?" And then they would kind of pigeonhole that idea. Oh, you're that denomination. Okay, well maybe that's okay. Well, what school did you go to? And then it's like, okay, what teachers did you have? And and so forth. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to form some gauge of credibility. Well, I don't know enough about the schools of doctors and and the officials that are talking now to tell you this one did all this and so forth. So I have to, you try to find somebody you trust. That's that's true in every arena of life, isn't it though? Where do I get my car fixed? And what doctor do I go to? And, And which hospital is better? And where do we shop for this? And who has the best parts? And what online things are right? And is the king of Nigeria really reaching out to me to help him? That's kind of a joke, uh, if you've ever got those emails. But um, <laughs> you're my test crowd. The drive-in service would be much better. Uh, the, um, Frank Abagnale was this guy who was so good at deceiving people. I don't know if you remember, there was a movie called Catch Me If You Can. It was based on his life. And before he was 22 years old, from the time he was like 17 to 22... He impersonated a Pan Am pilot. He was a doctor. They believed him to be a doctor in a hospital. They believed him to be a, an attorney uh, and so forth. And he passed off on this and got paid for doing these things and so forth. And just because he was good at deceiving people. And it, it's things like that that make us go back, wait a second, is this real? And so that's kind of how we approach Jesus. And not just Jesus, but Christianity as you hold. There's a whole, if you're wondering why we can't fill the room on a regular basis, well, besides, even before the virus, we had trouble filling the room. You're wondering why thousands of people aren't barreling in to hear more about what we're talking about today. It's because they're standing back because they really just don't believe what we're talking about is real. I remember doing a funeral service, and after the funeral, the lady who died, her brother came to me, and he said, you know what, I don't, necessarily believe what you were saying but I do believe you believe what you were saying and he said and that is the first time I have ever heard somebody that I believed they really believed now that was a really telling statement because he's in the world he didn't buy into the gospel and so forth but he was saying every Christian that he had encountered he didn't think they really believed what they were saying was true and you know We do that. We give out information, but we're not really reflecting that we really believe that. You know, it's like if I say, you tell me it's not going to rain, absolutely 100% sure it's not going to rain, and then you take an umbrella outside with you, you're like, "Eh, just in case. Well, then you're not 100%, right? And so we, we have this tendency not to really believe what we say we believe and then that reflects on other people we're trying to convince them to do something there's the stakes are high when it comes to following jesus we're asking people we're saying lay your life down everything you are you have to die to yourself you may be killed for this but it's worth it so worth it and then and then in our own lives we don't even reflect that we follow him on a very base basis and 
And so they're why would I lay my life? I, I like my life. I don't, I, I'd rather, I feel better with what I got than what you're offering, is what really people are saying. But most people do this. I just don't want to think about it. I just don't want to deal with it. don't want to think about it. In fact, most people I encounter, I ask them, what do you think is going to happen to you when you die? And they're like, I just don't think about it. What do you think about Jesus? I just don't think about it. What do you think about Christianity? I just don't think about it. i got other things to think about. Well, friends, if you're here today, anyone listening to my voice, let me just tell you, you have to think about it. You have to deal with what you believe about Jesus. Is Jesus who he claims to be? You have to deal with that and then move on from there because the greatest, greatest, most foolish thing you could possibly ever do is not consider Christ. To just not even ever deal with it. Now, if you deal with it and think, I've dealt with it and I don't believe it, well, at least you're straight up straight up lost, but you're straight up. But to not even think about it, to not even really think, what do I really believe about? Is what we are getting ready to look at right now, this next line, is this true? He says this in verse 12, first part of verse 12. Truly I tell you. Now this is Jesus using the word truly. And he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you something that is absolute truth. As if he had to, but apparently he does, because he, he knows the people he's dealing with. He knows us, and he knows we waver. He's like, this is something you can bank on. This is something you can bet your life on. This is something you can hold more so than anything else. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Now, this is very literal, meaning that if you believe me, you're going to do what I do. Now, let me kind of, we do this all the time. I don't know if you've ever been in a fitness program or ever gone on a weight loss thing or ever been to a money or something to help you make more money or whatever or some type of seminar or whatever. But when you go to a seminar on something that's teaching how to do something, or you're reading something online or you read a book and you read a book about how to lose weight and you're like, this, this could work. You are saying, I believe that this person is telling me the truth about how they lost weight and the program they used to make money or the thing they did that made their life better. And I'm going to do what they did. And when you do what they did in order to get the results that they got, that's because you believe them. Because that's what you do when you believe somebody. You do what they do. And if you believe that Jesus is the only way to God, if you believe that Jesus is, has the life that is the only right life, then you will do what he did. What he said, you're going to live the life that he's, and what did he do? He remained faithful to the Father. He sought out the Father's will. He did what the Father told him to do, and he did exactly that way. That's how he lived his life, complete obedience. And that's what he's saying. This isn't like I'm giving you a set of rules to follow while you're in school. Because this is the way, this is the way we think about church sometimes like we think about school. When I go to school... There are rules I have to follow. And so I sit in this time and I can 
talk at this time and I do these lessons and then I can go outside and play and here are the parameters. We can play for 15 minutes. That's the rule. When the bell rings, we stop. And so we think Christianity is the same way. We follow rules. But you know what happens when you go to school? Then school's over. What happens when school's over? Those rules no longer apply, do they? I mean, when you're not in school, you're out in summer in your park and you hear a bell, you're like, where do we go? What do we do now? Or do you or do you stop and say, Mom, do we have only, what's the parameters, 15 minutes of play outside today or whatever? Maybe your mom's like that. I'm sorry if she is. And, and so they, you have all these guidelines. We have 10, 10, you know, you sit down for lunch, we got this much time. No, those rules are for school. And the same way we do at church. Those rules are for church. And then I live life outside of that. Do what I want to do. And then I go to church and I follow those rules. Well, we could have rules for worship. We could have guidelines for how we should be when we do different things and so forth. But the things that Christ is giving us to do is obedience for life. It's what we do all the time. Not some of the time. It's how we live every moment of every day. Because we believe that if we do what he says, we will get what he promises. And we believe him. But here's the question. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? Resolve in your heart whether Jesus is who he claims to be. Resolve that in your heart. Did he, is he the son of God? Did he really live and come to this earth? He became a man. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He went to the cross. He died for my sins. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I believe those things. I resolve that. Then that should impact the decisions I'm going to make every day, right? That means every day I'm thinking, how do, what does he want me to do? How do I obey him? How do I live for him? And that's why we read his word. I, I, I say this so over and over and over and over again. We have a reading plan. We try to encourage people to go through. We do this podcast. We try to get people excited about reading God's word and so forth. And we emphasize it over and over again. And I will always emphasize it over and over again about reading his word. Even if you just read five minutes a day. Read his word every day. Why? Because that's how we know who he is. It's how he reveals himself to us. We do not know Jesus apart from his word. So we read his word to know who he is because I believe what he says is true. But how can I believe in a person who I don't even know? You know, going back to the weight loss thing, if I believe this guy has the perfect weight loss program with Mr. Adkins or whoever it is, then, you know, you have to know what he says, right? You at least have to talk to somebody who knows what he says. You at least have to have some amount of knowledge as to how it works or whatever. And that's how people, when they really want to do something, when they really become serious about following a particular plan for life, they will say, okay, okay, all right. All right, I really wasn't paying attention before, but now I really want to know this. I'm really going to do this. Explain to me what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to tell you, that's how I know when a church is on a right track or a wrong track. When people never ask, what am I supposed to do? It means they don't care. They don't care. I don't know if you know. I've been in ministry since I was, well, feels like since I was 12. But when I was 18... I surrendered to the Lord to be in his ministry. 
And I didn't go, I think I got this figured out. I don't need any help. No, I, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. And I constantly was, will you help me? 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 And many men of God and many women of God fed into my life and said, let me show you all that I know about Jesus. And taught me that's what I'm supposed to do. We, all this is, is me just sharing with you everything I know about following Jesus and getting you to do the same with other people, sharing with them all that you know. But you need to be, you have to be being told by somebody what you need to do. If you've got it all figured out and so forth, then you shouldn't be here. <laughs> You're here though, well, because we need you and you need us. And so we are continuing, but, but you're not going to do that. You're not going to want to study the Word more, read the Word more, learn more about who He is, listen to those sermons, and, and get more information unless you have resolved in your heart that Jesus is who He claims to be. Because this is it, and this is the craziest thing. I got a message today. He's a good friend of mine, but I'm going to see if I can find it. I think it's on here. This was the message. He said, he was talking about all the things, and he says, I think we should declare a year of Jubilee, all debts forgiven, and we'll just start over. And he said that to me, and I know he was joking or whatever, but, he was, and, and, but I said, isn't that what we do every single week? when we get up and proclaim the gospel. It was like, light went off. Friends, that's our message. That's our message. We are, I'm just going to, I mean, think about this. Think about going back to the apostles' time and, and saying, there's a virus that's out there and it's killing people. What are you going to do? What do you think the response is going to be? Okay, well, we better shut this project down. Now, they're all going to die anyway. They've already resolved to die. Why? Because their leader died. Now, do we have a different leader? Do we have a different person that we're following? Do we have a different person that we're saying, you know, it's like, are we willing to go put our lives on the line in a communist country to share the gospel? Are we willing to go to places, to a Muslim world where we might get beheaded on the internet or something like that? Are we willing to go to those places and share the gospel? And we say, I don't know, I'm struggling with that. Well, resolve it. Come to terms with it. Is he who he claims to be? Is he real when he says, if you, if you die, I will raise you from the dead? And I'll protect your life as long as I need your life here. But when your life is done, when your job is done, I'll bring you home. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, "On Father, thy kingdom come. Do you think his kingdom can come and the existing kingdom can stay? Do you think you can keep this body and bring in the resurrection? No. We have to leave. These bodies have to die in order for us to get to the one that's glorified. That's the gospel we've been proclaiming. And friends, that brings such hope to people who have no hope of saving these bodies. It brings such hope to people who are hopelessly in debt or hopelessly uh, 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 sinful, 
who, who think they have no way and no, who are suffering miserably and say, how do I get relief from this? Jesus brings relief. When we leave this body behind and receive the new one, it is a time of celebration because they've gone on to be with the Lord. They are with Him forever. Our fear factor in this world, trying to hang on to this body, trying to hang on to this life, trying to hang on to these possessions, worried about the economy, whatever is going to happen to you, whatever fear comes into us, is a reflection that we do not believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. When Jesus came out, as we preached a couple weeks ago, when Jesus came out to Peter and saw him out there, and Peter saw and says, it is the Lord, John said, and he believed it. And he went to the beach, and, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And he's, and he's going through this. Then Peter laid down his nets again, laid them down. It's like, now I am with the Lord. Now he's fulfilling because he is, he believes that Jesus is who he claims to be. Okay. Second thing. Greater works. Greater works. Not only are you going to do what I do. Look what he says. I'm just going. I'm just jumping into the verse because it's too powerful not to say. <laughs> He says, in the second part of that verse, he says, and he will do even greater works than these. Not only will you do what I do if you follow me, you're going to do greater things than I did. How is that? Because I am going to the Father. And this, I love the book of Acts because this is where all this gets laid out for us. You have the apostles, okay? The guys who are failing miserably while they're walking with Jesus. But now they have a Holy Spirit given to them. And now they go out and Peter and John, and they're healing people. The Apostle Paul, he's healing people. Now they're, they're doing these miracles and things, showing the power of God manifested in their lives. Now, they're not the sons of God. I mean, they're not incarnate. They're just people infused with the Spirit of God. And that's us. We're those people. When we get saved, he puts his Holy Spirit into us and says, now, now watch what I can do through your life. We should expect God-sized activity when we obey Jesus. When we are doing what God has asked us to do, we should expect God-sized things to occur. Meaning, our minds should be blown at what God does. And we know it's not us. I remember when I first started in the ministry, and I was just naive enough just to believe that I should just do what God says. If I read it, understand it, then I just do it. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I was too stupid to have a plan or some type of thought process of I'm expecting these results so I just simply did it, and then it was like, now what? You know, it's kind of like a science experiment in chemistry. I've got a teacher telling me which things to mix together and so forth, and he knows what's getting ready to happen, but I have no idea what's going to happen. And you're like, oh my goodness, look at what this foaming over or doing whatever it's supposed to do. But I would obey Jesus and do those things, and then somebody would get saved. Or somebody's life would turn around. Or somebody would, somebody would be healed. 
I mean, I've been in the hospital where I've got people coming around and the doctor comes out and he says, I'm sorry, we've lost him. You know, they're, they're not going to make it. This is the doctor coming out saying, we've lost him. So, all I'm sitting there, and then they're looking, I'm sitting with the family while we've been waiting through this surgery, and they're looking at me like, it's like this pause. The doctor said what he said, and they look at me and say, what do you say? And I said, not because I'm smart, I'm just thinking to what I read, we should pray. I mean, literally, it was a robotic response. We should pray. You know, just kind of like, that's just like it just kicked in. I don't know what else to do, so let's pray. And so we got up and we prayed. And as I'm praying, this is, this is what's running through my head. Just ask me. Talk to me. Share with me. If you ask for me to heal this person, I can heal this person. And that's what I pray. God, you tell us you can heal. And you have the power. The doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. You have the power to do this or whatever. And so we're praying this or whatever. And I'm like, and, I'm, and there's this voice in my head going, don't say that. What if she doesn't get healed? What if she doesn't? What if this doesn't work? And you're praying this and the family's going to have this high expectation. And you're going to say, well, I guess God's not very good at what he does or something. And how are you going to explain that and so forth? And that's bombarding me. And then, the other, and then like the Holy Spirit is in there going, but I'm just, you just do what I tell you to do. Don't listen to those other voices. I can deal with my own reputation. You know, whatever the results are, those are my results. Don't you just, you just be obedient. So I'm just being obedient. And we get done praying. They come back out. We don't know what happened. She just, she came back. And, and now she's going to be better. Had another guy who was on life support and the family called and said, we're having to decide what day to turn our uncle off of the machines, to shut him down. And, and we're thinking about Monday. Is that good? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, but let's pray. Again, just that nervous reaction. Just, oh, let's just pray. So we just prayed. They did not turn the machines. Well, they did turn the machines off Monday. But that's because he went home on Monday. That was the turnaround. So many times we just we saw we see God do things that I think are impossible for these things to happen. I'd be going into places where I didn't want to go and talking to people I didn't want to talk to and sharing things I didn't want to share, only to see God change and transform and move in ways that I never believed possible. Things that strengthen my faith, the things that strengthen the faith of other people around us. We saw great things. We have seen God do great things. God has done great things in this church. God has most, I hope, has done great things in your life. And, and that is why we continually have to hold to. We just do what He says. That's what He says. He says, Do the works that I do, and He will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I'm going to be right at the Father, and as you do these things, I'm right there beside the Father saying, Make that happen. So, we have to believe, and when we believe, we should see greater works. And I love this last word. I just I was trying to think of the last point, and I just love the word whatever. Because when I hear 
whatever, that is my favorite teenage response of all time. That's sarcasm. <laughs> whatever. I loved it when I was teaching school. My children, I don't think they were allowed to say it. I think it was decapitation, if you say that word. I think that was the punishment. And so they would, but they could do it with their eyes. Have you ever noticed that? They, they can say the word whatever with their eyes, and they're trying not to say it with their eyes, but it's got that whatever, you know, kind of thing, and they're trying to not do it because they know I can see him or whatever. But here's what whatever means, and we all do it. We all say it. We all hear somebody say something. Uh, we have this little thing called the Jesus juke, and um, and the Jesus juke is when people are talking about something serious, and you throw in the a Jesus statement like, you know, this person's really so hard to love. Well, if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be so hard to love. You know, that's a Jesus juke. And when people do things like that to us and we're really bummed out, we're like, or so I'm so stressed about work right now and I'm really burdened by everything that's happening right now and all the things that are happening around us. So, well, you put your faith in Jesus, you wouldn't worry. We got this little thing in our going, whatever, you know, and kind of thing and just get away from me. Well, here's the thing. When we're going to talk about whatever today, it's kind of the two go hand in hand. Because when you say that, whatever, we're saying, whatever you're talking about, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to fix me. I don't think I can do it. Or whatever the case may be. It is a symptom that we do not believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. That we're not doing what Jesus has asked us to do. That we're not seeing the greater things that Jesus told us we could do. And so when you say whatever, you have to stop and ask yourself, who am I thinking about right now? Who am I putting my trust in right now? Am I saying it'll be a long day before you ever get that done because I don't trust that person? So whatever, you, whatever you've deceived me before. I don't believe anything you say. Or are you thinking about myself? I can't do that stuff. You know, whatever. I, don't, I can't do all that. Or am I thinking about Jesus? And what, what's revealed more often than not is that when we, we get into a mindset each and every day, we're burdened down by the things we have in our lives because we're just not thinking about Jesus. Look what he says in these last verses. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now here's how I read this as a 15-year-old believer. I read it this way. Whatever you ask, I will do it. If you ask me anything, I will do it. That's all I read. So I'm like, God, Lamborghini, $20 million in cash. I was going to say something about girls. Not. <laughs> Even though I did ask, he gave me that. It was good. And that grace. I didn't get the Lamborghini or the $20 million in cash. Because I forgot these parts of these verses that you may not be seeing today. And it's these. 
whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's saying, remember, you do, remember the first part, you do what I tell you to do, you're going to do greater works. And I'm telling you that whatever you ask me in my name, whatever you are doing that I've told you to do, whatever you're doing as like Jesus, you're saying, okay, Jesus says to do this, I'm going to do what Jesus says. When you are doing that as a name, you're saying, whoa, wait a second, this isn't working out. This, I need, these are obstacles or barriers in the way for me to, Jesus, I'm trying to get where you told me to go, and I can't get there because there's a barrier in the way. He says, you ask me whatever you need, I will give it to you in order to do what I've asked you to do. Reason I'm going to do it is because I want my, so that my Father will be glorified. So that people will see that the Father working through you, that me working through you, you can accomplish anything. The idea is, is that we bring glory to him. It's so that we will obey him, so that people will look at us and go, oh my goodness, I don't know if I believe your God, but I definitely believe you believe your God, and I definitely believe he blesses you, or he has empowered you, because that's amazing what transpired right there, or what went down right there. The world will see that and be shocked and amazed by you which gives glory to the Father because your only response could be, it's not me. It's the Father working through me because I'm just being obedient to His Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm doing. He does it all. And you know what's awesome about that? Anybody can do that. You can offer that to anybody. A child, a person who's at the last stages of their life, somebody who's been in church their whole life, somebody who's never even heard of God, you can introduce them to the Christ who will forgive their sins, renew them, put his Holy Spirit inside them, empower them so they can do the works of Jesus and glorify the Father. And the world will be amazed. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. And you say, well, I, in fact, I, when people say, well, I can't do that, it's like, friend, if you say I can't do that, you missed step number one. Do you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be? Because when you say I can't do that, what you're really saying is, is Jesus can't save me. Jesus can't make me fit for his Holy Spirit. Jesus can't put his Holy Spirit in me and empower me to do those works. He can't do that with me. Well, then you don't know who he is. You don't believe he is who he claims to be. If you believe he's God, who he claimed to be, then you believe he can put his Holy Spirit in you and empower you to do whatever it is he needs you to do. Do you need to walk on water? You can walk on water. Could Rick have gone into the baptistry today and just stepped out on top of the baptistry? It would have been cool, wouldn't it? Obviously, God didn't need to do that to impress us all. It would have been impressive. That wasn't necessary. But could he have done it? Yes. He could have. If that's what Jesus wanted to accomplish his purposes. You say, I need more money, or our church needs more money in order to do what God wants us to do. Do we? Then God will give it. You say, well, I need more, we need more people to do what God wants to do. Do we? Well, then God will give them to us. But we know that's not true. Gideon had thousands of troops to do what God wanted him to do, and God said, that's too many. They're going to think you did it. I want them to know I did it, so I'm going to shrink your numbers. 
Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about that God may shrink the numbers in order to bring himself greater glory? Did you ever think about that God may allow a virus to come into an area just to show his greater glory? Do you ever know that you may get sick just to show God's greater glory? Lazarus had to die to show God's greater glory. So stop worrying about all this stuff. Stop being in this fear place. Just ask yourself this one question. Ask like you believe Jesus is telling the truth. Ask God for things like you believe Jesus is telling the truth. Pray for healing like you believe Jesus can heal people. Pray for power like you believe Jesus empowers people. Pray for grace like you believe Jesus gives grace to people. And this morning, all I'm going to ask you is this. What do you need from Jesus in order to do what he's called you to do? What do you need? Ask him for it like you believe he is real. Believing in faith, he will give it to you. This is how much I believe he's real. There's an obstacle in the way, and I say, God, get the obstacle out of my way so I can do your will. And the obstacle doesn't move. I do not change what I believe about God. I change what I believe about the obstacle or what it was I thought I was supposed to do. Because if God doesn't move it, I know he can move it. So obviously, if it doesn't move, then I'm going the wrong direction. So I change my direction and say, okay, that obviously is wrong because you didn't take the wall down. I heard something wrong. I misinterpreted. The fault is not on you, God. The fault is on me. So this morning, if the fault has been on, just believe that. If you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, then he's never wrong. He never fails. He didn't make a mistake. We make mistakes. It's fully within my character to make a mistake in interpretation. I know that about myself. Maybe you should know that about yourself. So instead of blaming God for he didn't do what I asked him to do, simply redirect. Maybe you asked for the wrong thing. So change what you ask. So this morning, what do you need? What do you need to do what he wants you to do? Ask for it. If he doesn't remove it, if he doesn't give it, then you ask for the wrong thing. Go back. Reflect. Do what he tells you to do. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, so much for your love and for your grace. Thank you for these wonderful people gathered here and those who are watching online. Lord, we thank you for the ones who are getting ready to come to the drive-in service. Lord, we just pray this this morning. That we would believe you are who you say you are. That you are bigger than a virus. That you are bigger than a collapsed economy. That you are bigger than whatever election results we get. That you are bigger than what our boss tells us. That you're bigger than what is happening in our lives today. You're bigger than sickness. You're bigger than death. Lord, you've conquered all those things. And you've just called us to be obedient to you, to stay on task. Lord, all these things are potential distractions from our mission to share the good news with a world who really needs some good news. And we have it. And the good news isn't just that we've got maybe a cure for this right now while everything else is going to kill us. The good news is that death has been defeated. We have life. In Christ, that I can lay my life down for you. I can give this life up for you. 
Receive your Holy Spirit. Be empowered by you. Live for you and for your glory for whatever years you give me in this life. And then I get to go be with you in a resurrected body and live with you for all eternity in the glory of your riches and grace. Father, do we believe that? Show us what our hearts believe this morning. I pray this morning, if anyone's struggling, that you would give us the faith to believe, the faith to trust you in this moment so that we will ask for what we need, believing we will receive it. If we need salvation, you will give it. If we need hope, you will give it. If we need life, you will give it. If we need healing, you will give it. If we need forgiveness, you will give it. Thank you. In Jesus' name.